Welcome to the Closing Time Podcast for the week of July 7th, 2019. I am Joe McGuire. She is Abby Bro. Make sure you visit our website, closingtimepodcast.com. You get all the latest news in the real estate world, helpful tips for buyers, sellers, and agents, all of our previous podcast episodes, and so much more. It is July 4th weekend. Yep. It's been very festive. Team USA is playing in the World Cup. They'll be Woo! taking on the Netherlands this afternoon. Yeah, really exciting. The whole country seems to have soccer fever right now, mm-hmm. which is great. I know there was a little controversy with uh, Alex Morgan after she scored a goal against the English team. She celebrated by pretending to mimicking sipping tea. Mm-hmm. And the English, I guess, were offended by that. Oh, it's really badass. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. That is how you celebrate against the English. Mm-hmm. What else would you do? I don't know. Right? What else is there? But stop being uptight, Team England. I think that's their issue. That's why we declared our independence. Right. Just for that, <laughs> just for that reason. Uh, so that's very exciting for yeah. Team USA. I didn't realize the men and women don't play in the same year. I didn't know that was even a thing. No. But that explains that. Although the men might not have made it anyway. <laughs> that seems to be the trend. No, I think I think uh, next time around they are planning on being in it. Well, obviously they're planning on being in it, but I think that's they're, it's more I'm of sure. a, a sure thing. Yeah. So soccer, um, I was never really a soccer fan until I met my husband. I, I, didn't, wasn't, I didn't understand the phenomena of soccer, but he's a huge soccer fan. And I remember... Um, it, the first three months of us dating was just fabulous. And then the world cup came around and I never saw him again. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. (laughs) For a few months. Um, but he tried to tell me like how popular soccer was and I just didn't believe him. Um, and then we had a fight one time. I remember where I insisted that Kim Kardashian was more popular than soccer. (laughs) You're probably right. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, there's no way. With the, with the entire world, I mean. Like, maybe yes in America. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I'll tell you this. I played soccer when I was a kid for two years. My first ever game, I scored two goals, just missed a hat trick. Yeah. And then I never scored again that season or the entire next season. Then I quit. Then you quit. I thought it was the well, easiest sport in the world five minutes into my soccer career. That's hilarious. It's, uh, it, it is tough. Well, you let us know down in the comments below if uh, you think Kim Kardashian is more popular than soccer. <laughs> it's got to be close. Yeah, it's, it's a close. It's definitely got to be close. Uh, so we are talking about, uh, obviously, July 4th weekend and and sort of uh, just proud to be an American and all that. The American dream, which, of course, is home ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, three reasons why owning a home is still a big component of the American dream. Number one, there are actual proven psychological, physical and financial benefits to home ownership. You own your own little corner of the world. You can do whatever you want. I mean, that's the best part about when you own a home as opposed to renting. Yeah, I saw a meme the other day where it was a picture of the difference between owning a home and renting. And the renter was grilling hot dogs and hamburgers on a George Foreman that was propped up on a chair in the living room. Yes. Those are <laughs> those are the unfortunate parts of, right. of renting a home. Right. Uh, yeah, pride of ownership. It, it goes a long way Uh Again, toward, towards being part of something bigger, mm-hmm. which brings us to point number two. Homeownership positively impacts American families, and it provides a great sense of stability and opportunity, and it grows your personal wealth. It's the mm-hmm. best part of real estate and homeownership. Right. So you have something. You literally have something 
you know, tangible when you're done. Yeah. Uh, and then number three, people who invest in their home invest in their community and thus improve the local economy. 60% of Americans own a home. Right. And and for good reason, the National Association of Realtors actually points out the social benefits, which include civic participation, uh, financial education, poverty improvements. And a person who has a home that they take care of is more likely to get involved in their community because now you're looking at the greater good. Right. And you're incre- helping to increase the value of your town. Yeah. I mean, you're actually paying taxes to li- you're directly you're paying taxes directly into the town so you want to make sure that those tax dollars are used correctly and um you know are bettering the community that you're living in the national association of home builders actually says 100 single family homes generates 305 jobs 23.1 million in wage and business income and 8.9 million in taxes and revenue for state local and federal governments a lot of money it's uh yeah i mean buying a home doesn't just impact you and your family the neighborhood you're leaving in the neighborhood you're entering it's the entire economy right so good reasons to buy a home yeah. including uh this latest rents are climbing mm-hmm. and here's the worst part more high income americans are choosing the lease rather than to buy yeah um and that's actually changing the way that landlords are doing their business as well, which is interesting. I've seen that a lot lately. In what way? Um, well, uh, they have to allow dogs more, you know? Okay. Yeah. Fair. So it was always dogs, no dogs, no dogs, no dogs, or no cats. Um, then and now it's like started to be negotiable or ask. But now that more people are renting and they want to stay somewhere for a long time, you have to accept, you know, dogs of any breed. Since 2015, rents have grown by 4% each year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wages have grown between 1% and 1.5%. This current tendency of people to move out of pricier states as they face affordability issues and into more affordable ones is pretty well documented at this point. And it's typical what happens when an economic cycle reaches its high point. So... There's, there's got to be some concern about that. Right. You know, there was some fear that millennials weren't going to be home buyers, and we're seeing not only are they, yeah, they like realtors a lot, too. Yep. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, but if you're looking to buy a home, now is definitely the right time. Rents are out of control. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, home prices are finally growing. For the first time in 14 months, home prices have grown uh, nationwide, home prices grew 3.6% in May, year over year, and almost one full percent from April to May of just this year. Uh, at 10.7%, Idaho had the highest growth out of all the states. That's so interesting. Right? They're not a place where you would think people would be moving to. Huh. But you never know. I mean, I, I don't know much about Idaho, but maybe there are more jobs there. Or How something? about Utah and South Dakota? They were number two and three wow. on the list. Uh, the growth is attributed to a strong job market That's and there you go. decreased mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. You could probably get a lot more for a lot less in Idaho, Utah, and South Dakota. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have an affordability problem in this country, and we'll get to that in uh, in just a little bit. Uh, home prices will probably uh, see an even, even steeper growth going into the next year. Uh, 0.8%, it's predicted by next month. 
5.6% by May of 2020, which would be fantastic. Uh, due to years of consistent home buyer increases, a lot of buyers are kind of worried about their ability to afford a home. 28% of homeowners are worried they won't be able to afford buying a home in the near future. Half are satisfied with the number of options available in their market, while 40% believe they will have to relocate. Mm. We already are seeing a lack of inventory on the market. That's having a real influence on. Yeah, there are some towns with like two or three possible homes, you know? Yeah. In, 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 you know, in certain price ranges, which is crazy. So what is going to be done about this affordability problem? Because mm -hmm. we clearly have one. Well, President Donald Trump created a new government council. He's tasked it with clearing regulatory barriers such as zoning uh, that he thinks get in the way of building new homes. Ben Carson, who leads the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, will serve as chair of this White House Council on Eliminating Barriers to Affordable Housing. Great. The president said the role of the council would be to increase the supply of homes in the U.S. to meet demand. He also singled out an array of specific regulations that he argued are getting in the way of housing construction. Uh, these regulations include zoning, limits on population density, undue parking requirements, and construction permitting procedures. Uh, this executive order also mentions environmental regulations, which is something he's never been a fan of. No. Uh, and there's concerning. There's been some pushback with environmental groups uh, about that in particular, going a long way towards offshore drilling and, and, and stuff like that. But Trump's executive order suggests a willingness to sort of rethink contemporary city planning. Uh, but still falls within the president's pattern, though, of attacking regulations. Yeah. He just doesn't like regulations. But a step in the right direction, I will say that. The National Association of Realtors President John Smabby lauded the formation of the council, saying despite historic economic growth, misguided regulations have prevented many Americans from purchasing a home. I like when the government does things to help things. I yeah. think that's a step in the right direction. And I understand that, you know, the president being both a, a real estate guy mm -hmm. uh, and, a, and a property owner, a, an owner of many properties and a guy who builds properties. So he he knows the industry well. You do need some regulations. I mean, you can't have the Wild West out there, but there yeah. probably are some cumbersome regulations, as he put it, that probably aren't aren't helping either side and are only making things worse. Well, I know that one of the regulations he was going to cut back on was the use of asbestos in building materials for new um, homes and also homes that are, you know, have asbestos in them. So you don't have to get them remedied. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so there's one. Well, I don't. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? I mean, but again. A step in the right direction. Sure. Let's at least discuss. If we're acknowledging the problem, I feel like we're at least a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. How to solve it, I don't know if we'll ever figure it out. But it's complex. It sure is. Now, you and I have talked about this before, mostly in real life and not on this show. Yep. Cold calling expired listings. Mm -hmm. I've never been a fan of that. I've had really good success. You have. Yes. But you got to be careful now because you could get in trouble. Right. Keller Williams Realty is the latest real estate company to be hit with a proposed class action lawsuit alleging its agent made unsolicited, pre-recorded and auto-dialed calls to consumers without their consent, including calls to consumers 
on the National Do Not Call Registry, which violates the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. The National Association of Realtors identified TCPA lawsuits as one of the major legal issues for its members who should keep in mind in the near term uh, a lot of trolling law firms see these violations as low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. So cross-reference phone numbers before you start dialing. You know how people get around that? They cross-reference the phone numbers, but then they find relatives on Facebook, get their phone number that is not on the Do Not Call registry, call that person and say, do you know are you, your father is selling his property? <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. That's brilliant. But I've heard other realtors do that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you well, know what? Well, if it works, it If works. you're going to try to stop people from doing a, a time-honored tradition in this business. Yeah. I mean, people have been cold calling expired listings since listings. Uh, since phones were Pretty invented. much, right? Yeah. As soon as there was a phone <laughs> and a realtor, they were like, I'm going to start calling expired. It just makes sense. Yeah. Keller Williams has training videos that actually encourage and teach agents to call expired listings, FISBOs, including ones that are on the list. Mm. And that's sort of where you're running into problems. And do they have a script for when they say, how did you get my phone number or why are you calling me? Yes. They do. Of course they do. There's a script. And the script, uh, I, from my understanding, at least from the article I read, is that the script is pretty bad. Oh, no. Because it's pretty much all the evidence they needed to say you guys are doing uh, and violating the TCPA Act. So, Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. So be careful who you're calling. Yeah. And Just, I think the other thing, too, is is if you call somebody and they're not interested, probably don't press the issue. No. Be respectful. You're trying to help. And if if they don't want to listen, then unfortunately, move on. Or, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to, like, get hung up on. Yeah. Oh, of course. And that's what it is. It's a, it's a numbers game, you know? Yeah. But you got to do it correctly. Make sure you're talking to the mic when you turn the joke. Okay. Because you can hear it. You can hear like you're going off the mic. Okay. So that's it. Thank you. Yeah. And are you um, taping the screen too? I'm going to go, uh, I can tape that. Yeah. I can also go in After Effects, after effects and do that. that. Yeah. Too. Okay. So just, Thank I don't you. Know how much of this I'll use. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but yeah. I have a little bit to see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Oh, yep, yep. So here's something else kind of cool going on. The National Association of Realtors is accepting applications for their latest pitch battle. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Association of Realtors second annual OI, IOI pitch battle. This is a contest in which aspiring real estate tech startups vie for $15,000 in cash and the attention of venture capitalists and others who could help to make a splash in the industry. On-demand photo editing service Box Brownie beat out 15 other contestants when NAR held its first pitch battle at the inaugural Innovation, Opportunity, and Investment Summit in San Francisco. This year, NAR is holding the tech conference at the Wyatt Regency in Seattle starting on August 20th. The pitch battle contest will be presented live August 21st, and the winner will be announced on August 22nd. I think that's really cool that they're doing that because there's probably some great companies. This is where the the technology of tomorrow is going to be found. Right. I love that NAR is constantly sort of pushing and supporting opportunities in companies that could make real estate or or sort of take it in, in, in to the next level, yeah. which is where things need to go technologically speaking. 
yeah, no, it's all good. You know, trying to find the best of the best, have them kind of compete for it. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Now, I did mention this being July 4th weekend. Very pro-American. Military service members are... This might surprise a lot of people. A a very big part of the home buying process. And for a whole bunch of reasons. Number one, there are 260,000 military personnel who are relocated every year. And 230,000 more who are transitioning out of the service. Mm. They move up to 20 times during a typical career, which is seven times more than a regular civilian. They average eight weeks searching for a home, whereas civilians average 10. Yep. And active military and veterans make up 20% of the entire housing market, despite making up less than 8% of the U.S. population. 1% of the population is active duty troops. 7% are veterans. Mm. So here's some ways to sort of... Get involved in that market because right. you shouldn't go at it all haphazard. These these people these people like sort of have earned, you know, your respect and 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 your best. So number one, you got to know all the options. Military families come to real estate with lots of questions about where to live, and some of the housing options like temporary lodging or or long term rentals or on base housing might not be part of your business model. That's fine, but have resources for those topics. So if you do have a client who's in the military, you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Know that military families will likely leave in the next three to five years and will be faced with a decision to either sell or rent. So consider that when looking at a property, that this might be something that needs to be sold in three to five years or worse. This is not worse, but that's something that could end up being an investment property. Uh, And and, and so is that going to be best for them, not just for today? Five years from now. So maybe something that's not a fixer-upper. Right. You know, something more um, easy to maintain. Very, 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 uh, very right. Uh, Now, uh, you got to know your VA loans. We're not mortgage people. Mm -hmm. You should know more about VA loans than uh, just say, hey, call call your mortgage broker and ask about a VA loan. Um, Be a stark raving fan of this valuable benefit. It it allows service members and veterans the opportunity to buy a home with no down payment, be able to promote its use enthusiastically to other agents who maybe don't understand or appreciate exactly what a VA loan entails. Right. Uh, This is why it's good sometimes to have, you know, mortgage people as friends. Right. Who can sort of run you through some of the different options. Again, beyond just telling your client here, call this person and that person and compare rates. There's a lot more, especially obviously when it comes to military people. Yeah. And, you know, um, I actually learned this from Kelly Turner, who was on our show a while back, who is a loan officer. And um, I asked her about USAA because a lot of my uh, veterans use USAA. Um, We also belong to USAA, my family, and we were going to use them for our mortgage. And she's like, Abby, do you know what USAA stands for? Do you know, Joe? I don't. United Services Automobile Association. Well, I would have never guessed that. No, isn't that strange? I, you could have asked me that for 20 minutes. I could have guessed it wouldn't have came up with that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So she said that, you know, it may not necessarily be the best option for VA loans. So if you have um, 
someone who is interested in getting a loan through them, you may also just want to recommend having them talk to a loan officer as well. Oh, see, yeah. great advice here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, hit the ground running. Military families are generally on deadlines. Most clients have a limited amount of time in temporary lodging, so get as many of the milestones as you can out of the way before they even arrive. Also, understand military families usually have uh, sort of a lot going on as they make their move. So anything you could do to sort of... Uh, ease the burden would be yeah. great. Yeah, be a full service, one-stop yeah. shop for them. And don't be afraid to show by video. Yes, Live video I've done that. is a very important tool. It helps build rapport with clients who haven't come out yet. Again, here's people transitioning sometimes across the country, mm-hmm. uh, meeting you on video, and you're showing them, you know, you're, you're showing them a, a home that, that they're going to probably move into basically sight unseen otherwise. Right. Uh, you know, so... so it's important. Yeah, I helped a family once, and I had only met the wife. Um, the husband was deployed, and that was the only way he got to know me, is I would do video walking tours, and I would talk about it and everything, and he, he felt like he knew me already, but when we finally we met- We just had a seller the other day join us on FaceTime. You did? We sure did. Oh, yeah. Yes, we that did. That was fun. That was That fun. was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and the, the final thing when you're working with uh, with with- people connected to the military share your professional network yeah you know real estate agents often share their resources for landscapers carpenters cleaners and other home services that's no different for military families you should recognize they're more likely to be entirely new to your community mm-hmm. they'd appreciate an introduction up front so yeah. anything you could do for your military people I-, I think number one get educated on Again, this article is going to be up on our website. It's it's definitely worth the read if you've worked with veterans or if that's something that you're looking at. And if you weren't, it's something you should be looking at. These these people represent a really big part of the housing market, mm-hmm. and they're heroes. It's better than that. Most definitely. Meanwhile, more than 8 million homeowners are leaving money on the table by not refinancing. I just refied my home three years ago. Best move of my life. Mm. My house appraised for more than I bought it for, which I wasn't expecting. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was tremendous news. Mortgage rates have been on a roller coaster over the last year. They're kind of sitting at the bottom of the track right now. Uh, Now's the time to make the move. A 30-year fixed mortgage hit a three-year low of 3.73 last week, according to Freddie Mac. 8.2 million borrowers could refinance and lower their interest rate by at least 75 basis points. The average borrower could save $266 a month. The total savings for the country, $2.2 trillion. Wow. So even if you bought just a couple years ago, it might be time to refinance. I would say this. Every few years, you should inquire about refinancing. Yeah. That doesn't mean do it, but... You make sure, you know, look, once you get rid of your PMI, stuff like that, you've always got to be, it's just like your cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. You should be calling your cell phone bill every yeah. six months or so. Tell them you're going to leave and see if they'll see if they'll give you a better offer. Same thing with your cable. And that's a great way to stay in touch with your sphere, um, letting them know that now is a good time to refinance. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, given the steep rise in home values over the past three years, homeowners uh, currently hold $5.98 trillion in tappable equity. Tappable mm. equity is is generally considered the value of the home beyond the 20% retained equity that most lenders require. Now, during the last housing boom in the early 2000s, borrowers were using their homes like ATMs. Yep. 
Don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> that learned. failed. Yeah. Uh, but borrowers today appear to be much more reluctant to leave themselves without a cushion. Remembering whole values can go down just as easily as they can go up. Cer- certainly something to look at, though. Uh, and there's nothing there's nothing more enjoyable than equity. Yeah. You know? It's very rewarding. Yes. Someday this will all be mine. <laughs> it's very exciting. And maybe someday soon, you know? Right? Yeah. Uh, now, you and I have been out. We've we've actually shown quite a few houses in the last week or so together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen some flips. And we've seen some okay flips. Yeah. I still haven't. I don't think I've seen a great flip in a while. No? Like a flip where I'm like, oh, I couldn't tell three months ago this thing was in shambles. Yeah. I. It seems to me a lot of people cut corners. And they're the noticeable corners, mm-hmm. literally in the room. Like that's not <laughs> that's not where you want to. It's not where you want to do that, right? Well, I mean, you could totally the telltale um, sign of a flip are the boob lights. We saw a lot of boob lights. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like you, it, it, it amazes. You know, I'll tell you what. When you're with a client, the observations people make are remarkable, right? And. If you're a flipper, bring somebody by your house before you're going to list it. Yeah. And just ask for their honest thoughts on things. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen, I understand sometimes when you're flipping, maybe you're just using things you already have. Right. Whatever's on sale. That was the best move to make. And somebody somebody with an objective opinion could tell you that in about 30 seconds, that those boob looking lights are not, those are not what you want. Right. Right. So- Here's a few things you should know before you make your first flip. You want to limit your financial risk. In reality shows, not real at all. Don't if you're if you want to be a flipper because you've watched flip this house, I would recommend talking to a real flipper <laughs> because the risk and the reward are very different. Right. Seasoned investors use the 70% rule, which basically states you should not buy a home for more than 70% of its after-repair value. In other words, the uh, after-repair value is is what the home's worth after you've made your repairs and your upgrades. If you're if you're falling under or or, or beyond that 70%, uh you're cutting into all of your profits. And then the home inspection comes. And maybe your support beams down in the basement aren't up to code. And now your profits are gone. Had that happen a couple of years ago. Yeah. Or the appraisal comes in low. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another thing that can kill it. Never good. Now, this is equally important. Make sure you have the time and the expertise. So you find out the house that you have, and you got to sort of look and see what needs to be done. Fake TV makes the process look fast and easy, and it is not. Mm -hmm. Scheduling professional contractors, repairmen, painters, and carpenters, it takes time, and so does the work. So if you plan on making most of the upgrades and repairs yourself, number one, make sure you've got the skills. Mm -hmm. Don't be kind of good at it. If you're not good at it, you're going to have to hire somebody. And if you're going to hire somebody, things things get a little little pricier. Mm Mm-hmm. First-time home flippers often feel that they could do most of the work themselves to save money and then get overwhelmed by the amount of work or the skill level, and next thing you know, you're not making any money. Right, and that's where you see you know, the corners not really uh, lining up for the crown molding or the tape job is falling apart. 
um, spackling, a mess. We like know that. when a house has been flipped. Yeah. We tell the client it's a flip. Mm-hmm. We get there and you see obvious sloppy work. Right. And maybe it's just that. Maybe just some of the, maybe you're not a details person, but when I see problems on the walls in, in the repairs you did, it makes me wonder what else is going on there. And maybe there's nothing else wrong, but that's not how it feels. Right. So do yourself that favor. Uh, one of the other big things, I mean, you got to find the right house to flip. And patience is very key for a successful house flipper. Uh, a friend of ours recently was just telling that, us that. Mm-hmm. You, you really got to, you got to find a home below market value. Educate yourself on trends, markets, and home values in the area where you intend to buy your first home. Because when it comes time to sell, you have to consider who your potential buyers are. What can they afford? And where do they want to live? Flipping houses for a living can be financially rewarding, but you have to know what you're getting yourself into and educate yourself on the process. Maybe take some time to meet other investors or attend one of those seminars on how to actually invest in real estate and flip houses. One of the real ones. Yes. Not one of those Fox News TV host ones. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there who are happy to share their expertise. Right. So now they'll only... do it for $99. <laughs> like, that's probably not for real. You know right. what I mean? Right. That's not. So, so you got to. If you're in the real estate industry and you want to become a flipper, you probably know or have come across flippers in the industry. Mm-hmm. Seek those people out because I find, and I think you'll agree with this, they like talking about it. Yeah. And they're happy to offer advice because I think they've seen enough bad flips that it makes flippers in general look bad. No, and it's it's so important to also be educated from the right person, like you're saying. And I actually have someone to recommend who I've... Um, learned from myself um his name is um kevin he has a youtube video meet kevin or youtube channel meet kevin i love kevin oh he's great and so it's not overly expensive i think it might be like 300 dollars to join his groups and they have live chats and he actually comes to town and he, he speaks with you but you can get on the phone with him give him the numbers of a property and he'll weigh it, you know, if it's a good investment or not. And I used it just to learn how to work with investors. So he has a realtor course and then an investor course. That's awesome. I know. And our broker is wonderful. She's also, you know, um, she also flips um, and she does, she's very successful. Um, and I've learned from her as well, but you know, it, it's great to get other people's insights. So meet Kevin on YouTube. He's yeah. great. You know, it's funny. I mean, Lisette, I remember Lisette talking about when she started flipping and I guess her first flip didn't go well. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's sort of par for the course. Right. You get into it and you're like, this is going to be awesome. And then a couple weeks in, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know how difficult and complicated this was going to be. So you're you're definitely uh, best off seeking advice from others. Exactly. All right. Uh, you came across an article, and uh, I'd like to get into it just a little bit. Oh, we're going to talk about it? All we right. are going to get into it, yep. It's an article from February of 1986. It's the profile of a good real estate agent. <laughs> um, number one, as a listing agent, knows the listing thoroughly and supplies additional information requested promptly and cheerfully. 
that's that still holds true to still, today. A lot of these things actually still hold true. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> some of them don't. Uh, never smokes while showing property. That just totally stood out to me. I love uh, it. <laughs> yes, it was a different time then, wasn't it? Yes. Um, I like this one. Confines remarks to the property being shown while in the presence of the customer, and then in parentheses, not. Did you tell Mr. Jones about our listing on Elm Street? <laughs> you don't want to shout too loudly in the streets after the showing. No. I think is what they're saying. Yeah. Although I might have violated that rule just yesterday. Oh my gosh, you Didn't did. I. You very much did. I get excited and I'm loud. <laughs> uh, here's <laughs> So here's, here's some more. Uh, this is for some of the buyer agents. Try to cooperate with the listing agent. <laughs> just try. We know <laughs> it won't happen. Do. But just try. Arrive mm-hmm. promptly for showings. Yeah. I don't know why that's even I mean, well, who like what? You gotta know to show up, right? On time? Yes. It's well, I would say that's rule number one. Yeah. Yeah. You're the person that's gonna open up the front door. Yeah. You best be there on time. Uh it's important to get your customer's name. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. Dresses in business attire, unless showing rugged land. Yes. Uh, takes care to communicate communicate customer's name understandably. <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> yeah, that was on purpose. Right. Uh, they will often need to be introduced again to owners and others. Names of customers in writing would be extremely helpful to listing agent for record keeping purposes. Do you wow. ever have issues remembering people's names at open houses? They come through the door and they're like, oh, hi, I'm Kim. I'm John. And Kim, John, nice to meet you. And Kim, John, Kim, John. <laughs> I have trouble remembering my children's names. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I'm not afraid to do this move. I'm sorry. What was your name again? Oh, uh, yeah. I try to worst. avoid it. It's the worst, but it's better than if I just start calling you the wrong name. Oh, no. <laughs> or if I've just combined two other names. Right. And I've made that your name. Uh, a good listing agent is courteous, but never ingratiating to owners if they're present. Mm. There is a difference. Yeah. Never disparages the property being shown or makes adverse comparisons with other properties. <laughs> I feel like I make that mistake all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. Mm. Uh, reports back to the showing agent as to the customer's reaction to the property, positive or negative. Unless the customer made his views adequately known in the course of the showing. That's interesting because I see that being a debate on um, the Facebook groups a lot. Um, Not only in Connecticut, but nationwide, people aren't using, aren't leaving um, feedback. But a lot of times that you don't really get that sort of information from um, the buyers or they may say, just don't say anything because it might be something that they're interested in, but they don't want to let them know. Do you ever find your clients don't want to say something bad about a property? Yeah. And it's like, it's not your listing. It's just some Randall. And you're like, I don't, uh, I don't care if you don't like it. No, I don't care if you think this house is the worst. You could say that to me. I'm not, I, it's not my listing. I wouldn't be offended. Yeah. I showed you, to you for a reason, thought you would like it. If I, that was incorrect, please let me know. Those, that's invaluable information. So I try and get that. But then 
I think it's important to leave feedback. So I always do. Always. So if if I don't get feedback like we're discussing from the buyer, I leave my own personal feedback. You know, we were talking about this yesterday and and this is only my experiences, so I could be wrong generally speaking. I don't want to speak for the entire industry. But there was a time, you know, 4 or 5 years ago where anytime I did a showing, I would get a phone call from the agent. Yeah. And I still do that. Oftentimes I get like the whole song and dance about everything, mm-hmm. probably yeah. more than I should have been getting, but I feel like in the last 2 years or so I rarely get follow-ups from the listing agent when I show a home. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Um, I guess it, it all depends on how busy the agent is or maybe the home is already sold. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's invaluable. Of course it is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I hate leaving negative feedback, but I do. Mm-hmm. And I will sort of you know, pepper it with like... You know, a compliment of some sort. Right. Um, But I feel like the worst thing you can do is be, I don't want to say dishonest, but to sort of sugarcoat like, right. my client didn't like the layout, not suitable to my client. Good luck with your future showings. You're not doing those people any favors. Mm-hmm. You know, if, the, if your client literally was like, there, there's yellow walls and I can't get past it, as silly as that might be. I would tell them that. Yeah, no, most definitely, because that's something easy to fix. It's super easy to fix. Or maybe that's just something they'll just, this house isn't for you. But with the layout, I mean, things like if there's a master bedroom on the first floor and that's the issue, that's something that they probably heard, you know, a number of times. I love this list. We have to get this list up on the website for people to see. Uh, Obviously, 1986 was before buyer brokerage, uh, which is why... That last thing I read, it was sort of suggesting don't say anything in front of the listing agent. Right. Because, of course, the listing agent would have been the one to let you and the buyer agent in. That makes sense. Right? Totally makes sense. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. My mom, I'll, I'll end it with this, because as I, and we've talked about this before, the idea that it was a different time. In 1986, my mom got into real estate. My dad had been doing it for about 20 years at that point. My mom went out with two of her girlfriends. They got their licenses. Houses were flying off the market buyer beware was was the it was just sort of the way business was done my mom was showing a condo uh in in a building and there were probably i want to say like 30 units in this in this facility and about a dozen of them were on sale all of them were on sale for about 60 to 80 thousand (laughs) dollars wow my mother got a listing at one of those condos, the guy wanted one twenty for it. What? And she was like, "You're not going to get one twenty. He goes, "Just list it." That's what I want to list it for. She listed it for one twenty, and some guy came into her open house, unaware of the other eleven units. No. Oh yeah, and my mom sold it to him. <gasps> he didn't have representation. He sure didn't. Nope. My mom's like, "I'd be happy to write this deal up for you today." Yeah, but how does that get appraised at different time? Different time. Different time. Different time. Wow. So for anybody out there who bought a house back in the old days, who doesn't trust buyer agents, that's where that stems from. Mm. It's all different now, and we take good care of you. It's just important to know that. Different time, though, Abby. Totally different time. You know what also is a different time? 
Um, I have a closing on Monday morning and I needed child support or not child support. I need someone to watch Max. And so Pop Pop is going to watch Max. And um, I told him it's a closing. It'll probably, you know, it's pretty simple. It'll probably be like an hour, hour and a half tops. He's And he tells me how the closing on his house that he bought 40 years ago took like all day from 9 a.m. They had to sign every yeah. piece of paper. And- <laughs> they had to print the documents from scratch. Right. There's no photocopies back no, in the yeah. day. Uh, man, I just remember even from when I first got into real estate, closings take a significantly shorter amount of oh, time yeah. now. Yeah, but I could imagine back in the day would have been a much more complicated process. Make sure you visit ClosingTimePodcast.com to get the latest news from the real estate world, tips for buyers, sellers, and agents. You'll also find all the great articles that we uh, had on today's show up there. We'll also get the 1986 real estate profile. I thought that was a lot of fun. You can also find our previous episodes. Make sure you keep up with the Closing Time Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. Abby, doing a nice job keeping that thing updated. Sure am. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to interact with you as much as possible. If there's stuff you want here on the show, we are certainly open to that. Uh, we also offer home video tours, realtor branding videos, aerial shots, drones, live streams, and so much more. Visit ClosingTimePodcast.com and click on the CMG Real Estate link. Go Team USA. Women going for the World Cup Championship today against the Netherlands. For Abby Bro, I'm Joe McGuire. Happy Fourth of July weekend. See you next time.